Welcome to Middle Grade Mavens, where two author mums discuss their favourite middle grade books, provide recommendations and share insider industry tips for authors trying their hand at middle grade. Julie Ann Grasso is the author of the Frankie DuPont mystery series, cupcake enthusiast and part-time library book wrangler. Pamela Eucherman is a writer, dancer and homeschooling mum who sometimes finds time for sleep. Both Julie and Pamela devour middle grade books, not only for research, but to share with their combined brood of four munchkins. Hi, Pamela, and welcome back to Middle Grade Mavens for our 70th and final episode for 2020. Mm, I'm feeling old. 70. (laughs) 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 So what's been happening? Oh, sigh. Well, between birthdays and Christmas and homeschool and renovation planning. Yes. I haven't had much of a moment to catch my breath, but um, it's now officially summer. Yes. And we're now officially COVID-free here in Victoria. Hip, hip, hooray. Yes. Um, so it's a huge relief to even be considering those things. And I'm so very, very grateful. And I'm also thinking of friends and relatives overseas who are deep in the thick of lockdown and COVID yes. worries. Um, yeah, it's terrible alarming. still. Yeah. Um, in terms of books, well, I haven't done any writing <laughs> at all. Um, But I have had the pleasure of reviewing some picture books published by the State Library of Queensland for Queensland Government's first Fire Forever program, which is a program to support early education in Queensland. Um, If you're a teacher or an early educator in Queensland and you want to see the reviews of these picture books, then check out the CBCA website, um, which is readingtime.com.au. The reviews will be put up in the next couple of weeks and they're they're a great little initiative um and they've um got a whole lot of uh experienced and some new authors emerging authors to write these so yeah very cool. great thing. um and aside from that well i'm actually reading hillary mantel right now oh. which is quite delicious <laughs> I've been waiting for the second to read the second book for a while and considering it is a brick that would um, horrify you, Julie. Oh, yes. <laughs> it would be my midnight sun <laughs> all over again. Oh, no, I love it. I love it. But it is very, very long. So I needed time to read it. Yep. Um, so I'm into that. And uh, I'm actually reading with the boys. I'm actually reading uh, Charles Dickens as a Christmas Carol, mm. which I downloaded from Apple Books. Um, and uh manga boy has he's 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 kind of really really like old school he's going literary so um Ooh. and he's he's massively they're both into into history um but manga boy's really gotten into the french revolution lately wow. and basically and government and politics he's been he's got this book called the Osborne politics for beginners i think it's called and i bought it for him because he was showing interest in politics and he has read it back to front Wow. Um, probably, you know, 10 times at least since he got it a few weeks ago. So, um, yeah, so I have bought a few classic novels in graphic novel format for kids um, and just some of them will be for Christmas. But, um, yeah, I've, I've got them and, um, yeah, he's loving them. 
So oh, that's great. It's really interesting. Yeah. So a bit of Dickens. And uh, so we're reading the Christmas, A Christmas Carol from Apple Books. And in case people don't know this, and I'm assuming most people do, but in case you don't, many books that are in the public domain, which happens when the copyright expires, which is usually 70 years after the death of an author, um, they're, they're available on Apple Books and Kindle and the Project Gutenberg website. So if you, um, I think it's gutenberg.net.au and I think uh, .net and there's, I think there's an Australian one. Um, so yeah, it's it's a great way of saving paper and saving money and getting to read a classic novel. Yes. If you can handle reading off a screen. So yep. yeah, so that's been now <clears throat> a couple of weeks. And what about wow. you, Julie? Oh. <sighs> What have I been doing? Oh, I've been deep dive <laughs> editing, which has been great and, and excruciating at the same time. Um, the suggestion that I had for this manuscript that it could potentially benefit from switching tenses from first person present to past, which I know you do not like first person present, so you'll be very happy with me if you when you get to read this. Um, but I have a bit of a reputation in my family for mixing tenses um, mid-sentence. So, um, and my sisters are my first readers. So you can imagine they've been pulling their hair out since the 80s, reading my <laughs> university assignments. And now I've got to do an entire manuscript. And I can safely say I can no longer distinguish between past and present. So it's all going really swimmingly. Oh, it's I've I've... I've gone from one, I think I had one I was writing in present. I have written in present, first person present. I don't hate it. I just hate that it's used all the time. It is used <laughs> a lot. Um, but, yeah, I remember I just got so muddled because I was I was doing one in present and some, I was editing something else that was in oh, past. Oh, hard. my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. while we are talking about my sisters, I wanted to give a shout out to Dawn, who is my middle sister, um, she's recently released an exciting new website called Day Break English, where she teaches English as a second language. She's also got a YouTube channel, Day Break English as well. And she is far more eloquent than I will ever be. So I, I'd love the Maven listeners to drop by because you'll just honestly go, oh my gosh, it's we're, like I've got two sisters and we never really looked alike when we were kids or now we all sort of look alike and sound alike <laughs> so so you might sort of think oh is it is it dawn is it julie <laughs> anyway i will put the link in the show notes um and she's just she's really gorgeous and she's so passionate about teaching english and and yeah she's been editing me for years so i i've you know i feel like i owe her something Nice. <laughs> nice. I'll have to have a look. I've seen Linda. I know you you look a lot like your other sister. Oh, Linda, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, we never did as kids, not at all. But, mm. yes, age has a wonderful oh. way of making, you know, things turn out in the wash, doesn't it? Mm. Funny, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I guess we should review some books because we have then got our top 20 for 2020. And, Kate O'Donnell's going to stop by again from the youngest son. Um, and we also have Matt Stanton dropping by. So we've got a bit of an episode to get through. We we better get started. Mm, it's a bit of a casual end of year. Let's yes. see what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And um, I 
am not doing any books today because I've been busy painting and reading Hilary Mattel. Yes. So what is the title of the first book that you're doing today, Julie? Yes, I'm doing The Odds by Matt Stanton, published by HarperCollins in October 2020. Uh, now this one, I I know I had it and I sent it to you. Did and you? Oh. I think I did, yeah. And I'm actually quite yes. interested in uh, seeing what you think of it because um, yes, yeah, you're going to regret friend, giving friend it up. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, tell us the back jacket, please. <laughs> okay, they're invaders from another world. Your imagination. Kip is a quiet kid in a loud city. She's She's easy to miss, and that's the way she likes it. Then one day, Kip, Kip's quiet. I'm tripping over my words tonight. I'm very sorry, Matt. Then one day, Kip's quiet life is suddenly interrupted. Ten of her favourite characters have stepped out of their worlds and into hers. But what happens when a dragon hunting rabbit leaves his comic strip? When an old man leaves his picture book? When a ninja leaves her TV show? A race car driver leaves their video game and a dinosaur turns up from Kip's nightmares. Aha. Uh-huh. Now I know I didn't actually have this book, but oh, when you I saw it you in didn't. the list, yeah, no, I didn't. You saw it in the list and went, yes, I want to do that. And oh. I didn't know what it was about. But now I hear the, the blurb. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. This is Joke Boy, right? Joke Boy would love it. That was about to come out of my mouth. (laughs) Dragons, ninjas, race cars, video games and dinosaurs. It's like everything he loves, right? I I think I'll have to pop it in the post here. I'm making – oh, no, no, that's okay. I'm making a note right now. (laughs) Going on the Christmas He has a birthday. No, he's got a birthday next week. Oh, get me to your favourite. Birthday's okay, but Christmas I have no idea. So, anyway, there we go. Mm. Right. So, please, genre. This is a middle grade graphic novel. Perfect. Perfect. So, so hot right now. Um, yes. And I know this is a hard question, but word count? Oh, who knows? Oh, look, it could be, it could be 3,000 words. It could be 15. I just have no idea. Like. It's, it's yay thick. <laughs> it's this thick. Yep. <laughs> it's below um, Julie's threshold. Yes, which is a win. So, yep. (laughs) Right. So, can you tell us more about it? Yes. Kip awakes to a bunch of odd folks staring at her. It's not often you wake up to a bunny, an old man, a dinosaur, a ninja kid, a unicorn, a chicken, a guy who looks like the Stig from that car racing show, and a few other characters Kip can't even recognise. At first, she thinks she is in a dream. And she does everything imaginable to wake herself up. However, on closer inspection, the characters before her seem to be somewhat familiar. Perhaps one might go as far as to say some of the odd folks are very like the characters her dad draws from his comic books. What is a girl to do? She can't very well go to school with this motley crew. Or can she? <laughs> I love the stig. Oh, I know. Many... It's so the Stig. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many people would know who the Stig is these days. Well, I, I doubt any kids would know, but I was like, oh, my gosh, it's the Stig. Uh-huh. Well, my kids will know. because. Oh, yes, yours will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
And if you don't know what we're talking about, listeners, it's Top Gear. The yeah, English. Top Gear. But um, they've, they're no longer doing that, are they? Well, not with that. No, that long gone. Yeah. So uh, overall enjoyment. Oh, this was so much fun from the get-go. I guess to start off, if I woke up with a bunch of oddballs in my bedroom, I too would think I was in a dream. And poor Kip really does everything to keep the odds contained. But that was about as likely as bees making maple syrup instead of honey. What ensues is a hilarious tale of of a girl and her dad doing their best to figure out what to do with a bunch of oddballs in the absence of Kip's mum who has passed away. Now I started reading this with Boy Wizard who is five um, and as I have probably mentioned many times um, is on the autism spectrum. He is fascinated by graphic novels at the moment and he sat through this entire book which that just got me in all the feels at one point. And I think I might've even sobbed out loud a little bit when I was reading it and he doesn't really understand emotions. So he was kind of looking at me like what's going on. Um, But anyway. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, When you have a child that will most likely encounter the, the world from his whole life with you know, the topic of being odd, or as some might call it, um, this book just, it just seeped into my, my heart in a, within a, a second. Um, it celebrated difference in such a way that it was just so fun and unique. And I was really in awe of Matt Stanton's ability to weave a simple tale with such depth and in so few words. So bravo, Matt Stanton. You got me in all the feels and I cannot wait for the next instalment. And I should also mention that um, Girl Wonder also secured this book the moment it entered the house and read it from cover to cover. So I think he's got a, he's got a bit of a winning, winning formula here. Fantastic. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I think that might be um, Joke Boy's next series then. Yeah. Well, we loved (laughs) The Bad Guys by Aaron Blaby when it, first Mm. came out and you know have really um followed that from beginning I think they're up to Mm. like episode 13 or something um but yeah this sort of graphic novel format you know a bit like sort of dog man but so well done when it's well Mm. done it's just it just takes them in and I mean uh Boy Wizard is not reading yet and that might be a while away but I, I just feel like I want to get every kind of graphic novel in the house to to sort of start you know capturing his attention and this one mm. certainly did so yeah it's great yeah and we but Joke Boy's been doing Percy Jackson and all those kinds of ones in in graphic novel format and as I said we, we're doing classic novels we're doing Shakespeare in graphic novel format um as it's I a great so way need just, to get some of those. Yeah, it's a great way of learning. Um, and if you've heard the interview that I did with um, Shelley, who wrote uh, The Werewolves yep. Who Weren't, she was the one that suggested it to me. It's a great way of getting them familiar with the stories without having yeah. to grapple with this, you know, really complex language. But once they do get into that complex language, they do understand it more. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like giving them the code. Yeah. Um, and Joke Boy at the moment is into a series called The Last Kids on Earth. Oh, yes. Which, yep. Is a, it's a novel, but it has sort of comics in it. Yes. Um, and there is a series on Netflix as well. So he's loving that at the moment. And it's a, that for that is, for him, a great 
um, step from graphic novels and illustrated books to non-illustrated novels because he refuses to read anything yep. that's not illustrated so yep. um yeah i think these books are amazing um and well done to matt stanton for adding another sort of point of view to that another yes angle. yes and i'm sure it will continue so mm, so on that note yes. who will love this book what age do you um, think it's good i think i said from seven plus and i really hope people go and pick up a copy like it it was just really good <laughs> <laughs> it was really good well I'm definitely going to go get one yeah definitely okay so um now I know the next book that you've got is also a graphic novel or it's nearly a graphic novel is that right yeah definitely what, is yep so what's the title of it this is the carbon neutral adventures of the indefatigable enviro teens by first dog on the moon published by Alan and Unwin in December 2020 I think it's actually only just come out like yeah like a few days ago yeah and that is the biggest mouthful of a title isn't it (laughs) I can't wait to see like it on the library catalog (laughs) it's like oh my gosh (laughs) I I was trying to remember the other day I was like it's something about carbon yeah Anyway, um, great title. I do like it. Um, could you share the black back jacket blue with us, please? Yes. Meet our superheroes, Binky, a.k.a. the Monotrine. Worried Norman, once bitten by a radioactive croissant and now pastry person. And Letitia, an occasionally bossy science wombat and genius inventor. Together, they are the Enviroteens and they are about to get very, very angry. Single-use plastic Brendan may have an evil plan to destroy all the world's turtles with his dastardly turtelly pooter. But believe it or not, there is something even more sinister than an angry plastic bag on a garbage island in the middle of the ocean. Climate change. Oh, no. The Enviroteens will do anything to stop this impending disaster. Scale slippery volcanoes, scurry through forests full of poisonous armpit monsters even meet senator ian the climate denialist potato but can three teenagers and a chicken save the world why not nobody else is maybe they are in with a chance i can't look it's too exciting <laughs> that's a long blurb for a yeah um, not a lot of words in the book hey? yes <laughs> um and it sounds like quite the cast of characters again that there is a there's a three-page cast list in the beginning. Right. So, <laughs> yes. Okay, so it's graphic novel. Um, would you add any more to that genre? No, just oh, maybe upper middle grade. It's it's very, yeah, it's quite sophisticated would be the word. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, Joke Boy started to read it but just said, I don't know what's going on. So Yeah, it's too um, young for him. Yeah, I'm going to pass it on to a nephew who I think is going to enjoy it. Yeah. And what is the estimated word count? I'd put this at about 15,000 words. Okay. I could be wrong. It could be five. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? More words for a graphic novel. Definitely more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So can you tell us more about it? Sure. The Enviroteens are hanging about on the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. And yes, that is as bad and true as it sounds. When Binky hits the tiny turtle alarm, 
What ensues is a mad-capped adventure about saving the world, saving our resources, saving our animals, saving ourselves. I could go on, but we will be here all day. Sounds like it's got a great message. Oh, yeah. good. Yep. And a positive spin on it. Yes, definitely. She's definitely needed. Uh, and your overall enjoyment. Oh, this was an extremely comedy-filled, quirk-filled fiesta. But have no fear, dear parental listeners, there are some incredible bursts of environmental facts woven into this wacky story, many of which I was completely unaware, like the use of microbeads in toothpaste and face wash have been found in almost everything from drinking water to fish, completely polluting the world. Mm, Now, with a supervillain-like single-use plastic Brendan on the scene, you can only imagine the antics required by a pastry person hero and an outer space hot chip death ray. But there you have it, possibly the wacky and most informative environmental graphic novel to date. Fantastic. Great. I might have to try and get... um... Manga Boy to read it, actually. I think yeah, I think Manga Boy it. would actually completely get it. Yeah, um, I, th- I think, though, that since Joke Boy tried it and it sort of is, not it's his, but, you know, it's in his, it was in his realm, Manga Boy yes. is like, meh. <laughs> yeah, you've got to. But, um, yeah, I might have to try him on it anyway. Yep. So, yeah, who will love this book? What age do you think, then? Is it good for 10, 10-year-olds? 10 plus, yeah. It's okay. intricate. It's fast-paced. It's quirky. I'd say plus, 10 plus because I think you have to have quite a bit of thinking to keep up with this novel. But the actual environmental um, sort of details and facts are fascinating, like okay. just scary fascinating. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. Great. Well, two great graphic novels. Yes. And awesome. that's it for our reviews. Can you believe it? Mm. Twenty twenty. Oh, so shall we? Shall we start with our top twenty books of the year, Pamela? Yes, let's do it. We were going to do a top five each, but we couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) So we have ten books each. Yep. Shall I go first, Pamela? Please do. Now, these are in order of when they were reviewed, not in order of fabulosity. So number one, <laughs> Julie's top 10. The Lizard's Tale by Wen Wai Chan, published by Text. I feel like we're at the Academy, Maven Academy Awards. Yeah, I feel kind of too applaud. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, Anzac Girl by Kate Simpson, illustrated by Jess Ratcliffe, published by Alan and Unwin. Canned applause. Number three, Gargantus by Thomas Taylor, published by Walker Books. Oh, that's one I forgot. Yeah, anyway, I didn't review it. Oh, it's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, The Power of Positive Pranking by Nat Amor, published by Penguin Random House. Number five, The Theory of Hummingbirds by Michelle Catterusman, published by UQP. Number six, The Strange Worlds Travel Agency by L.D. Lipinski, illustrated by Natalie Smilly, published by Hachette. Oh, I have this. We have this on our shelf ready to go. You need to read it. Yep. 
The number seven, The Inkberg Enigma by Jonathan King, published by Gecko Press. Mm -hmm. uh, number eight, <laughs> losing count. The Heart Song of Wonder Quinn by Kate Gordon, published by UKP, UQP. Uh, number nine, Egg and Spoon by Alexandra Tiley, illustrated by Giselle Clarkson, published by Gecko Press. Oh, and I didn't tell you, we bought this. <gasps> I bought Did this. You? Yes, I have it. We have it. It's gorgeous. Have yes. you, like, have you tried anything yet? No. <laughs> oh, it's because you've gorgeous. got so many, you've got so many yeah. food limitations, but oh, it is gorgeous. Like, yeah, it is. we literally we will, we will still look at it every day. Oh, wow. Yep. We will in the holidays. It's it's there for, yeah. Yep. I've actually bought it for someone for Christmas as well because oh, I'm like, this, this needs to be in the world, this book. So. <gasps> You've just given me an idea. I know who yes. I can buy this for. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> and number, number 10, <laughs> The Odds by Matt Stanton. Um, the last book I reviewed in the um, – 2020 and it's made it to the top 10 so well done matt stanton published by harper collins awesome how about you pamela <laughs> <sighs> well yeah this is always so hard and you know when you lean towards a certain genre you tend to favor that genre of course more. so um a lot of minor fantasy <laughs> yes so apologies um yeah if that's not what you like but anyway uh, in absolutely no particular order at all. Yeah. Um, this is just how they came out. Uh, number one was The Grandest Bookshop in the World by Amelia Mellor, published by a firm press. Yes. Dying Num for this one. Yeah. Oh, see, I still sigh when I think about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, number two was Hollow Pox, The Hunt for Morrigan Crow by Jessica Townsend, published by Lothian Children's Books. I and, just ordered uh, it and got oh, it for Giselle. Yep. So, yep. She's going to have to read them for me. Yep. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> number three. Uh, number three, The Lost Soul Atlas by Zana Freilon, yes. published by Lothian Children's Books. Again, another book I, oh, every time I think yep. about it. Yep. Um, number four, Fly on the Wall by Remy Lay, published by Walker Books Australia. Oh, that book. Oh, my gosh. And Elias loved it, Elias being Manga Boy, absolutely loved it. And yep. for him and I to love the same book, it's like, okay. Yes. <laughs> Great. Um, number five, The Witch's Boy by Kelly Barnhill, published by Bonnier, yep. which was a very recent one. Uh, number six, The Boy, The Wolf and the Stars by Siobhan Plotzer published by penguin australia mm. see lots of <laughs> lots of fantasy uh number seven is beyond belief by d white published by omnibus books which is um scholastic um yeah i love that book uh number eight the werewolves who weren't by tc shelley published by bloomsbury of course mm -hmm. number nine which you now have, The Wolves of Greycoat yes. Hall by Lucinda Gifford, published by Walker Books Australia. Yes, winner. Yep. Yeah, so good. And number 10, The Firestar by Alison Tate, A.L. Tate, published by Penguin Australia. Oh, hooray. 
What a great what a list, books. hey? Yeah, and there are others on there that I was like, oh, I don't know, should they be, you know? Uh, but you have to pick ten. So yeah, ten. Well, we yep. we self imposed, self imposed ten. Otherwise, we could have just listed, listed every book. But yeah, um, and some of my favourite interviews were in there as well. Um, Z- Zana, um, Siobhan, Shelley. Uh, yeah, some great. Oh, well, interviews I that didn't even think about great. interviews. So <laughs> I've no, but nothing. I'm just yeah. I'm just I was just thinking as I was listing them out, like oh, I loved that interview as well. You know, oh, um, okay. It's been it's been a great year. I've well, I'm going to say I loved that. all my interviews. So there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Aren't they great? And you just yep. I find I just get so much out of every person I interview. Yep. I just I learn something new and make a new relationship and you know have someone to cheer on and and so you know and they're also kind and friendly and you know some of them have offered you know if you have any questions don't don't yep. you know just feel yep. free to email me so lovely such a yep. such a wonderful wonderful community and it's it just feels really nice rounding out the year with um you know with, with having this list and just saying thank you to to everyone yes. who's been on the show and yes. yeah yeah well I have right. to say for interviews, usually the ones that stick in my mind are the ones that I cried with the interviewer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not even joking. Oh my gosh. My <laughs> ones are the ones where we end up talking for like twice as long as the interview afterwards, you know, yep. we've got for another hour. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. I mean, anyone I've cried with, you know who you are. <laughs> You're my favorite. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, oh, so that is it for our final episode of 2020 but be sure to check our instagram page for some new hot releases over christmas and new year yes the books will still be coming and um yeah great time for buying them and if you would like to give the mavens a little bit of christmas joy yes please go to apple um uh, podcasts or tune, uh, tunes whatever it's called and rate and review our podcast you just have to scroll down to the very first episode to find the rate and review link if you're on the website which is ridiculous but yes hmm. yes and if you liked listening please recommend us to your friends family the neighbor's dog your teachers booksellers local library mum and dads grandma rita anyone really that would make us very happy indeed now we hope you've enjoyed our show we will return in 2021 on february 4 stay tuned for kate o'donnell coming up next and then matt stanton uh stops in for a chat merry christmas merry christmas here we are at middle grade mavens with the wonderful Kate O'Donnell from the Younger Son Bookshop in Yarraville. And Kate is going to share some recommendations for your Christmas stocking. So take it away, Kate. What have you got for us? Thanks, Julie. Well, I've tried to stick to middle grade a little bit more than I often do when I'm here. I know I try to push the boundaries. We never mind. (laughs) I did just want to start with a couple of picture books because I think no matter how old you are, a picture book is a good present. Yes. Um, and we are loving um, Maxine Beneba Clark's beautiful new picture book, When We Say Black Lives Matter. Yes. Uh, and it's been flying off the shelves to the point where Maxine came into the shop, signed some 
and then we had to get her back just a couple of days oh, later to sign so some great. more, which is really exciting. And we're lucky to have her as our local, one of our local authors. But um, my favourite thing about Maxine's picture books, because obviously she's a beautiful writer for adults as well, is her, you can tell that she want, you want to read it out loud. And so yeah. every time you you read one of her books, it's just got this beautiful narrative voice from maybe the grown-up reading to the child and it just urges you to read it um, in this really beautiful, intimate kind of way. Um, and plus she writes about really important things that are conversation yes. starters. So whilst, while it's a great almost bedtime story because of the rhythms that she has created, um, it would also work really well in a classroom or in a fa- like a whole family conversation starter. Yes, essential. That should be in everybody's yeah. stocking. And another one that I know that I'll be giving to a lot of small people in my life is Sing Me the Summer by Jane Godwin and Alison Lester. Um, and I, I think it's actually the first time these two have really written anything together. Yes. Made yes. a book together. So it's very exciting, even though they've worked together so much as publisher and, and author illustrator. Yeah. But I just wanted to read a little bit of this book because I just a charming one. And I hope will be read over and over again this summer. So it says, sing me the summer, the sparkling sea, our buckets and spades on the sand. Shells by the rock pools where tiny fish swim and a crab scuttles over my hand. Pineapple, apricot, strawberry, peach, we have a picnic right here on the beach. Sing me the summer, the sun shining bright. Here is the day and here is the night. And it has a refrain. It has that day-night refrain throughout. So beautiful for bedtime. And oh. anytime, beach time. Gosh, I think we've got to get this because Boy Wizard is beach obsessed. <laughs> beach <laughs> there obsessed. There you go. <laughs> um, and I don't, I can't remember if the watermelon hat from Magic Beach makes its way into this illustration, oh. but I imagine that it does. Oh, of course. We'll I love look the for watermelon it. hat. <laughs> uh, and then moving up a little bit to um, sort of young readers. Uh, we have been waiting for the new Olga by Elise Gravel to come out and are stoked by Olga. We're out of here. Um, oh. Elise Gravel's a Canadian, a Quebec author. Um, and Olga's got this fantastic narrative voice. Um, she's an amazingly spunky character. And in this one, she and Meh, her, I don't know if Meh is a, an animal or a thing, but they're going to get go into space. And so she's a little astronaut in this book. Um, and would be a really wonderful one for the kids who are reading The Pigeons, um, yep. The Bad Guys, a little bit of a step up, um, but illust- highly illustrated with amazing text and lots of uh, great text treatments and things like that as well with words out up in big. Oh, um, you had me at Girl Astronaut. <laughs> she's just so great. Like, as a grown-up, I just think she's a hoot and I want to be her. Yay. Um and along similar lines, the it feels like I've been waiting for this one for a long time, but it's only been a year. I looked it up, which is Sherlock Bones and the Sea Creature Feature by Renee oh, Trump, yes. so the sequel to Sherlock Bones. And looking through this one, again, it just feels like she's right on the money with what kids are wanting. Amazing yeah. black and white illustrations throughout, kind of a cartoony style mixed in with a narrative story. Um, and I love the way that she's sort of teaching facts and 
animal history and all sorts of like it's really it's not teachy yep. at all but it's just such a wonderful a wonderful book uh and for narrative for that kind of younger readers Pierre's Not There by Ursula Dubasarsky has just come out from Alan and Unwin and this one is kind of like creepy if you think about it too much in a great way oh but Lara's yes mum have you read it? Yes, we've had Ursula on as well. Oh, amazing. Oh, I'm so sorry. I haven't listened to that one yet. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Lara's mother is a cleaner and when she takes Lara along to the house, that's where they meet, well, Lara meets Pierre and his mysterious puppet theatre and she's quickly sort of dragged into his story playing the part of the dog. But then is she the dog? What's real? What? Oh, I think that's a re- it's a really great one for those brave-hearted readers. Yep. If you get a um, chance to listen to mm, Ursula's oh, I will. I usually she, listen to everything. You yours. have to because the origin of that story is set in Versailles. Amazing. Of course, and of course it it's is. It's so quirky. You, you just have to, I'm not going to give it away. You'll have to listen. No, don't. <laughs> I will listen. And anyone else who, like me, is behind. Yes. Um. And another really exciting book that I actually haven't had a chance to read yet, but I was just looking at today in the shop is a user's guide to the pandemic. And this is a collaborative project between um, 100 Story Building, which is in Footscray, the Story Factory, Storyboard and Story Island Project. So these are all organisations that work with children to develop their creative writing and things like that. And so this is, I think it's 83 children have written about their experience during the lockdown oh, during this gosh. year we have to um, get this and I yeah and I'm just so excited I'm going to be buying a couple of copies myself for sure just because what an incredible thing to read about and that's like yes. I love talking about about to everyone about how this year's gone for them and I think having it written down and published in a beautiful like it's the quality of this publication is fantastic um and hopefully this one will fly off the shelves wow um Moving up to kind of like our upper middle grade, which I guess like I like to sit here and it has been a bumper year, I think, for some middle grade. Um, oh, Siobhan Plaza's The Boy, The Wolf and the Stars, which I did listen to Siobhan's interview <laughs> with you guys and loved yes. the way that she talked about naming her characters and oh, the language, no. you know, listening to what what a bird sound might look like to come up with the names for her bird creatures in the book but the boy the wolf and the stars as your listeners know is like a high fantasy story um set in a world where all the stars have disappeared and the many terrible things lurk in the darkness so people never go out after dark and this is what happens when the boy must make a journey to try to save the world um and I'm, I've just given this one to my friend Ted, who is uh, 10, and I'm looking forward to his review because I think it's really accessible, wonderful, but high fantasy yep. for these yep. readers. Um, when Rain Turns to Snow by Jane Godwin is, oh, I don't want to pick favourites, but I think this is probably going to be one of those picks of the year for me. It made me cry. Yep. Um and I, I think I'm pretty sure that it's going to be one of those ones where adults will get just as much out of it as the young readers that it is intended for. Yeah. Um, and in When Rain Turns to Snow, I'm so bad with characters' names. I need to have the books in front of me, but they're beside my bed. <laughs> oh, I'm um, the same. They go out of my head. Um, 
the girl in this book is is sort of her family's in a bit of flux where her dad um, has a new partner and her mum has a new new boyfriend that they're just getting used to and something's going on with her brother and she's not quite sure what it is and then she's home alone one day when a boy turns up in the rain outside of her house and he's got a little baby and has something to do with her mother and she wants to help him out he's turned up like a couple of hours away from where he lives and he's not going home and he needs to talk to somebody and this book like it's a mystery in a way it's very very real life it's very very touching the thing that I think will really appeal to people and what was felt important to me is the way that it explores family yep and different kinds of family makeups what makes a family um how your role in a family can shift and it's also one for the word fans. Jane Godwin's turn of phrase is something special and it's never alienating and it's always ticks your mind over with yeah. curiosity. Um, so I can't wait to recommend that this Christmas. Uh, and also Penny Tangy's new book, As Fast As I Can. It's been out a couple of months now, published by UQP. Penny Tangy, I've been a fan of her for many, many years. I love her YA. And I'm really excited about her sort of foray now into middle grade. Although I guess you could say that her first book, Loving Richard Feynman, was kind of an upper middle grade. Yeah. But with um, uh, with her new book, her last two books, her middle grade voice is so funny and so touching, I think, she can sit there like we obviously recommend her a lot alongside Nova Wheatman yes for this really realistic voice but I think like Penny is a comedian or has been she is a comedian and I think in the way that a lot of comedians can do balancing the light and the quite dark dark, yeah quite beautifully and anyway in as fast as I can Vivian who's in grade five has been obsessed with the Olympics for her whole life and is like really wants to compete in the games and so she's been trying to figure out what sport she might be able to compete at and when she learns that she's actually really really good at cross-country running she thinks she's on onto a wicket a good wicket there's a cricket metaphor in there (laughs) um but then Vivian has to is confronted with the chronic health problem might mean she will never be able to compete in the Olympics, let alone continue on with this sport that she has started to love. So it deals with chronic health issues and the mental health challenges that come along with it. And like I was laughing and I was crying because how you explore um, being a young person has to give up on a dream. Like it's hard enough to think about that as a yes. grown up. And yeah. I think Penny's really just made something beautiful here and I'm, like I think of all the books that have come out this year, it's been really hard for small books to get noticed. And yep. so I'm yep. banging the drum for Penny Tangy as much as I can. <laughs> yes. um, I wanted to quickly run through a couple of other middle grades. Haywire by Claire Saxby, brilliant for your history fans. She's also a Younger Son staff member. Yes, so a little bit of a Claire. disclaimer there, but we love Claire <laughs> and her writing's beautiful. Yes. Um, Bren McDibble's third book, Across the Risen Sea. Um, I love this post-climate change future world that Bren has got going with How to Be and Dog yes. Runner. Um, and this is a really fantastic adventure and so fantastically written. Her voice, again, like 
she does something really special there. And I wanted to just hark back to one of my favourite books from the beginning of the year, Euphoria Kids by Alison Evans, yes. um, which I loved and is sort of magic, but not quite. And it's just a really wonderful and joyful exploration of gender and identity. Um, yep. and so hopefully that one will come back up again. This one is on my to-be-purchased pile as well. No, and it's a really wonderful book that I think will be great for grade six, but I, anyone in high school as well, I think, would really yep. get a lot of value out of it. I yep. like how short it is and really wonderful characters that you love instantly. Um, we're also loving the graphic novel When Stars Are Scattered by Victoria Jameson, who wrote Roller Girl. Um, it's oh. also written by Omar Muhammad. This one um, I'm working on, I'm, it's on my to-read list, but Edie, who works at the bookshop, has just read it and found it wonderful. So it's set in a Kenyan refugee camp and is the story of two boys who have been there for seven years. And so it's really, really hard read, but really, really beautiful and in a wonderful graphic novel style. Yep. Um, and then, of course, I want to talk just about a couple of YA. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are very, very excited about Darius the Great Deserves Better, which is the sequel to um, Darius. Oh, what was it called? Darius. Hold on. Yeah. I yeah, saw Darius it. the Great Deserves Better. So Yeah. I saw the first one, one the other day. Might have been on The Youngest Son, actually. Yeah, we love it. Um, and so this is what happens when Darius has come back from Iran and is got his boyfriend that he really loves. He's got his family and friends. And then the arrival of his grandmother's turning up throws his life out again about yeah. how to cope with his grandma's being in his life. Um I talked about Future Girl last time, but I'm going to talk about it again. Future Girl by Asphyxia has been one of my favourites this year, the story of a deaf girl growing up in sort of a near-future Melbourne. Um, yeah, and Davina Bell's The End of the World is Greater Than Love, wonderful sort of crossover, again, kind of post-apocalyptic story. Written um, in a pandemic. Well, set in a Publi pandemic. Published, published in, a pandemic, in a pandemic. Published in a pandemic. <laughs> um, but so, like, her writing is just beguiling. I love it. Great. And so I've, I've read so much more this year than I thought, which was amazing, but the to-read pile just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which I love. So do I. <laughs> Almost so I Christmas. think that's where I'm a bit exhausted, Julie. Yep. <laughs> with my recommendations, um, they and were of wonderful. course, um, the youngest son will have our top ten books Ooh. and each staff member's top five coming out on our Instagram over the next Ooh. little while. Oh, so we have our top twenty then. coming Excellent. out as well. <laughs> oh well, we'll be. We sure couldn't to share pick it. a top ten. We had to go to twenty. <laughs> Actually, it's on this episode. So, oh, we'll, oh, we'll look out for your the youngest son, top five, top, top ten. That will be so great. That's fantastic. Well, Thank Kate, you for having me on. What a joy it's been to have you at the Mavens. You've been so incredible, 
and so giving and we have loved having you on board so we're gonna say merry christmas and good night merry christmas happy reading happy reading Matt Stanton is a best-selling children's author and illustrator who has sold more than one million books worldwide. His middle grade series, Funny Kid, debuted as the number one Australian kids' books and has legions of fans across the globe. He has published such best-selling picture books as There is a Monster Under My Bed Who Farts, This is a Ball and Pea and Nut and produces a daily YouTube show for kids. He lives and works in Sydney, Australia with his wife, best-selling author, Beck Stanton, and their children. So hi, Matt, and welcome to Middle Grade Mavens. Hi, Julie. Thanks so much for having me. Now, you've probably done a million of these interviews over the years where the interviewer asks, where did you get your start in writing? And as much as the Mavens lapped that up, devouring every minute detail. Let's mix it up for your sake. Let's go back to your newbie writer self standing on the precipice of a potential writing career. What advice would you give to your glowing green self? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think I would, I would remind myself of something that I try to kind of stay true to all the time but it's very easy to lose sight of. And that is um, kids first, kids at the center, all just about kids. So yes. um, it's that, and, and I've, that, that's been kind of core to, to the books that we've created so far. Um, and I think really important, but also super easy to kind of lose sight of. Yeah. Um, because the question kind of that, that I get asked all the time in schools, for example, is, you know, where do you get your ideas from? And uh, as, as though kind of the idea is to sit down and just think about what do I want to write about today? I find it much more helpful to think about who I'm creating books for yeah. and what would serve them the best. So keeping the kids front and center in my mind all the time yeah. um, and not just chasing the kind of the new brainwave that I've had yeah um, has been really helpful uh so evident in your books as well I, I guess so and <laughs> of course I can't resist I actually have to know where did you get your start in writing <laughs> so I uh I always wanted to be an author since about the age of seven so uh, my mum has a kind of class project that I did in grade two where I had to say what I wanted to be when I grew up and it was either a pilot, a rock star or a writer. Wow. Uh, so um, I think it's worked out best that I went with the writing option as opposed to the other two. Um, yep. So uh, so it's always something that I wanted to do. Uh, I was always writing during school. Um, I wrote a novel I kind of wrote my first novel at the age of 14, getting up at 5.30 every morning and writing four exercise book pages a day wow. uh, for six months and kind of uh, 
yeah, kind of did that and that and, and loved that experience. So it was always something that I wanted to do. I, I got to the end of year 12 and uh, obviously no one's advertising for jobs as novelists. No. So kind of, <laughs> what do you do now? Yeah. Um, and so I was a little bit lost for a little bit. I thought I was going to go into law, perhaps. I'd read a lot of John Grisham. Um, <laughs> right. But, uh, but in the end, uh, decided that, no, I was really committed to this this writing thing. I wanted to make it work. And so I'd read a lot online about, like, how to write a good query letter and how to, yep. how to try to get your manuscript read by a publisher. And I thought, well, you know, there are people on the other side of that equation. There are people that work for book publishers who make those decisions about what gets published and what doesn't. Um, and I'd like to understand better what that, how that process works. So I decided that my kind of day job, as it were, um, needed to be in book publishing somewhere so that yeah. I could be kind of learning as I went. So, so I ended up, uh, I always, I was always a, a kind of drawer as well. I love drawing at school. Uh, English and art were my kind of two subjects. So uh, I kind of found myself in graphic design and then book design and uh, and spent 13 years working uh, for HarperCollins book publishers as a book designer and then art director. Oh, wow. Uh, all the while writing on the side and trying different genres and different age groups, um, trying to find my voice and, and kind of where that, that landed. So uh, and learning kind of the business of books at the same time. So yep. that I could, uh, I could kind of, I could work out how to how to build a career for myself as a writer. Wonderful. I love to hear origin stories of how people, like we never start out as a writer, obviously, but yeah, it's no. so interesting to see by by which journey we come. So, mm. and the odds is a delightful graphic novel, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, you will hear. Uh, more later on now, um, our review. But would you share with us the origins of that story? Sure. So um, it came it came about through uh, kind of going on the a, a reading journey with my daughter. So my daughter is seven. So over the last couple of years, has been learning how to read. Has started school yep. and has been learning how to read. And we've always read lots of picture books in our house. Um, but I noticed an interesting thing that was hap that happens in that kind of transition, mm. which is that, that at least in, in our house, um, a child goes from kind of immersing themselves in, in the world of visual literacy, where they're... Uh, they're they're reading the the illustrations as much as as reading and hearing the words, and then they get to this point where they're kind of they're hungry for a more substantive story, um, but often they have to trade the visual literacy yes. that they've kind of loved and developed that skill uh, in order to get the more substantive story. So we move quite quickly from picture books into chapter books and often chapter books like my funny kid series for example has illustrations in it but yep. it's black and white line art and it's kind of you know maybe one a page or one every second page something like that um and and so I kind of thought there's you know there's something 
there's there's space for something in the middle there to help that kind of shift where i wanted her to have a more more kind of in-depth story with kind of richer layers to it and a, and a kind of longer arc yep but i also wanted her to be able to use the visual literacy skills that she had to help her as she's still learning and developing her read her reading so um so that got me thinking about graphic novels and the place that graphic novels can play, the role that they can play in that in that gap. Yeah. Um, I know they did for me. I, I kind of I realised that I'd forgotten that, hang on, in that stage I read a lot of asterisks yeah. and a lot of <laughs> and, um And so, uh, so the odds kind of came from there. Well, I mean, because I'm an author and an illustrator, it kind of I felt like, oh, maybe I could do something here. Yeah. Um, bringing those two things together. As for the um, the the story itself of the odds, which is about ten uh, ten characters. So there's a girl called Kip, and uh, and one morning she wakes up, and uh, and ten characters from her imagination have come to life, and they're at the end of her bed. Uh, and she she goes through a process of working out if she's dreaming. Uh, they decide her and her her dad decide that she's clearly not dreaming. So now they've got a problem. They've got they've got a character from a video game, a character from a from a chapter book series, uh, a dinosaur from her nightmares, um, all sorts of different characters. Um, the story has quite a long kind of developmental process for me. I, I the original idea was in was something around video games and gaming. Oh, and yeah. I thought I would write something set in the world of a video game, and and then as I kind of worked on that, I thought, well, it would be cool. what if you had video game characters that were aware that they were in a video game, yeah. kind of Truman Show style, became aware and then wanted to escape into into the real world. Yeah. So what if the story was about characters trying to escape? And then I thought, well, actually, the most interesting part of that to me is the second part. It's the what happens if they do escape? What happens if they can yep. get out into the real world? Yep. And then from there, it was like, well, hang on, why just video games characters? What if they were all sorts of different characters from all sorts of different um, places where kids engage uh, their imagination and the characters that kind of fill our worlds as kids? Yeah. Uh, what if they really turned up to cause problems? And I've my next question is basically about the characters. So I mean, there are there are ten. How mm. did you decide on their unique identities? I I feel like one of them would be because you love Top Gear. Am I correct? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so the um, so I it was a it was a dance in terms of creating that cast of characters between the kind of the the spaces in which kids find characters that they love yeah um so uh so something from a video game something from like a mobile phone so there's a booster the rooster is from a mobile phone farming kind of simulation yeah. game um you've got a unicorn that that kip was drawing like it's a draw you know she yes. made it up there's uh there's the dinosaur that I mentioned from her nightmares. There's so her dad is a graphic novelist, and so um, so I like in my family. So I've got four kids, and and but the kind of the presence of the characters that I create 
in my fiction are kind of here in the family. Like my kids are very familiar with the characters that I yeah. spend all day with. So I liked the idea that like it, the character from the dad's graphic novel has turned up too, because that presents some problems for dad. Yeah. So kind of going through the different spaces, books, picture books and chapter books that characters could come from uh, and then pairing them with, they all, they all are drawn from an aspect of Kip's personality. So there is a kind of a, a layer there of, of kind of projecting, kind of dealing with the nuances of our personality as, as we're in that stage of kind of really finding ourselves and discovering who we are and how we fit in to kind of project that onto these characters. Um, and that'll come out more in book two and three. It's a trilogy. Yeah. Um, yep. Where we'll kind of, we'll, we'll see a little bit more of, of these characters mirroring back on Kip and enabling her to explore different aspects of who she is. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. And I can imagine this was actually a fairly intense book to illustrate. It's probably, it's your first graphic novel, like in true graphic novel sense, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, um, so yes, it was it was huge, and I didn't I didn't really know how long it was going to take. Um, yes. And in true kind of book publishing world, um, you sign the contract, you commit to a publish publication date. They start talking about it to bookstores, and then you've just got to make it happen. Panic <laughs> and make it happen. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, it, it works out at about twelve hundred drawings in the book. Yeah. Um, so, and, could uh, you walk us through your actual process of how you do that? Sure. So, so I wrote it as a screenplay. Yeah. Like I wrote it as a script because there's no descriptive. Te I chose to not have any descriptive text in the graphic novel, so there's no scene setting. Yeah. Um, or background, like, um, and so there's no narrator voice. So, um, so the kind of the easiest way to, for me to write that, to make sure I stayed in the right headspace was to write it as a script so that you are, you're forced as you are in TV or film to, to, to show, not tell. Right. Yeah. So, um, so writing it in screenplay form was kind of how I, I started. And then I, um, I created character sheets for all of my characters. So just neutral facial expressions but from front on three quarter angled and, and, and profile um, angles for, for yep. the characters and, and worked out all their proportions together. And so then I went through and paneled the book. So working out, taking the dialogue from the, the script, from the script and, and working out where it goes in the panels. Yep. The page turns are really important in a graphic novel, especially when you're dealing with humor. So, for instance, if you've got, I've got lots of little slapstick kind of gags in there as you kind of have these characters interacting. So you don't want to have, you, if, you've, if you've got a short gag, you might need it to finish on the page, for example. Uh, or you might want the punchline over the page because you're going to use the page turn as part of the kind of yep. part of the joke. So all of that becomes really it's, it's like doing Lego. You're kind of working out where to put what and how to assemble it so that yeah, it works. Yeah, of course. Um, and so I did all that just and then just dropped in those neutral facial, neutral character sheet images so that I knew that, okay, I was going to have Kip on the left of the panel talking to Dinosaur on the right and they would both be 
facing three quarters into the center of the panel, yeah. um, but with no expressions or anything like that. So I did the whole book that way. That also helped me work out how many pages the book was sitting at and whether it, yeah. the publisher was happy with all of that. And then basically starting at the beginning and going through and drawing over the top of every page. Yeah. So, um, so using the proportion, so I didn't have to worry about making sure my proportions were consistent. They were all done and the perspective was right, but then it was about backgrounds and, and expression and the nuances of, of those lines, trying to use kind of as few lines as possible. And I loved the cityscape. Like it, it felt a bit New Yorkish, I guess. Um, was that sort of your influence or I guess you're from Sydney, aren't you? <laughs> so. I'm from Sydney. Uh, I was in New York in January last year, just before COVID went nuts yep. uh, for the first time and had that experience that lots of people have in New York of like, whoa, this place is amazing. Yeah. Um, I tried where possible to um, to use references that weren't New York as well. So there's, there's, yep. there's New York kind of style references for sure. Uh, there's, uh, there's also a couple of, of, of Chinese cities that I've used as references for the, for the kind yep. of more cityscape horizons. Um, yep. I've put, a, I've put some elevated trains in from Chicago. What I wanted to do was create that. Like the idea was Kip is a very quiet, uh, socially anxious character. Yep. And so I wanted to put her in the most extreme kind of juxtapose her against the kind of most extreme situation that I could. So I wanted a tiny character in a big city. Yeah. And so yeah. obviously New York is the archetypal big city. Um, so, yeah. So it's kind of, it's a mix, but yes, you're totally right. There's New York. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've watched The Secret Life of Pets many, many millions of times. <laughs> so you cannot miss <laughs> the New York yeah. cityscape. So, um Editing is, you know, another animal, isn't it? Especially with a graphic novel. Um, yes. Not only you, you're not just contending with the story, but the images. How how do you go about that editing process? Is it you and the editor sitting there going, "Oh, that text doesn't work there," or, or have we revealed enough? Or I mean, that must have been excruciating. <laughs> I think <laughs> it was. Um, it it went relatively smoothly which was was which was great um i've got a really great team that i work with at, at harper collins and uh and they um we did we did everything we did everything in batches so yeah. at every stage that i just described in the previous when we were talking about process obviously they they looked at it and we talked about it at every point uh but then also once i was then illustrating uh, which is the kind of the first time you really see it come to life. Yeah. Um, uh, I kind of batched it. So I would send it to them chapter by chapter. We would do, we would do a chapter, I would send it in. And, and most of the work was right at the beginning. Most of the work was about getting the tone right, the art style right, the line weight right, yeah. making sure that it was going to produce on the paper stock that we were going to use. Um, all of that sort of thing. The odds um, in Australia is black and white. It's being published in in the US um, next year, and they're going to do it in color. Oh wow! Uh, which is just, just a kind of production difference. So, yep. um, so there's kind of two different processes there. But I had that in the back of my head. I knew it needed to work in black and white, but then it would also yeah. be color. Oh wow! God, it's it's just a formidable task, though, isn't it? 
I feel like you might need to sort of take notes and do a course for for people in the future. <laughs> I can oh, I can just see many out. illustrators just like taking notes, listening to our episodes. So yeah, I now, did lots of um, YouTube videos. Um, I've done a lot this year, uh, just especially because kids have been kind of many kids have been stuck at home yeah um, so I've tried to do as much kind of behind the scenes as I can and I like to do that I um, a school visit is really great for kids to see how a um, how a book gets made but I feel like YouTube behind the scenes day by day yeah. you see what I'm working on is uh, is almost a it's a window I wish I'd had as a kid yeah I bet yep and mentioning schools, you do go into schools, as I've reached, researched on your website. What are some of the funniest things kids have said to you or perhaps asked during one of your visits? I have a great time with with the kids in that um, when I get to visit, and I haven't been able to do that this year, which I've really missed. Um, one of the things I like to do when at the start of every um every session is because you're kind of you're building a bit of a relationship in that moment or you're building trust at least you're kind of trying to establish the safe space for, for kids in those sessions what can they say what can't they say are they allowed to talk what's the kind of dynamic you're creating so yeah. I like to start by asking them to tell me um, the most amazing thing that's ever happened in their life so I kind of get them telling stories first and yeah and bounce back off them and that seems to be that's you hear some really fun kind of stories that way the questions they ask are always are always uh kind of great and good fun I get asked how much money I make a lot oh yeah um, <laughs> and um uh, I think one of the one of the activities kind of that we do a lot is um, because I like to talk to kids about how to use drawing to help them in their writing. Yeah. Uh, because that in that primary school age, I find a lot of kids are more happy drawing than they are writing. That often changes in high school. Yeah. Uh, but at that age, when I say put up your hand if you like writing, and then put up your hand if you like drawing, I get a lot more response from the drawing. Yeah. So it's like okay, so how can we use the creative process involved in drawing to help us develop story. So we do a lot of exercises around that. Yeah. And, uh, and one of the things is that we create a character visually, we create a character by drawing and then we go, okay, so this is our character for our story. Let's create a setting. And, uh, and so I, we often end up with this kind of completely ridiculous character wearing a banana costume and yep. you know, who knows what. And, uh, and then I ask the kids, okay, well, give me a location. Like where should, at the moment, our character is floating in white space on the whiteboard. Where should they be? And uh, I'll never forget being with with a kindergarten class, um, so five six year olds, and uh, and the kid in the front row put up his hand and said that you know Mr. Banana Head that we created should be on the Siberian front. <laughs> just, you just get this wonderful window it's like what are you talking about at home like where where is your head yeah <laughs> love it oh i love i love hearing the funny stories that kids tell get you know authors tell it's so really let's... great for for what i was saying before too about kind of keeping keeping kids really front and center in in my mind yeah. as I'm creating books is if I yeah. can have that contact with them, that's, that's arguably more helpful for me than it is for them. 
I do hope you'll put Kip on the Siberian front at some point. Oh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So speaking of, you know, kids um, and how you connect with them, has there been a time in your career where you've had a complete aha moment, perhaps when a reader has connected with something you have written and it's impacted both of your lives? I, in the back of the funny kid books and the odds, actually, I, um, I put my email address. Oh, right. And, um, and I asked kids to kind of write, write a review and send it to me. Um, because it's a great way, again, of hearing their voices, of hearing what they like. Often a question like, so with Funny Kid, there's there's eight books in that series now. So it's like, which book, tell me which book is your favourite. Yeah. Uh, with the odds, it's tell me which character is your favourite. Because that's all really helpful information for me in terms of what kids are connecting to and relating to. Um, and so I get, I get stacks of emails every day, which is really wonderful. Uh, and also a lot from parents. And I think the ones that, um, the ones that kind of give me the goosebumps are the, are the emails from parents saying, my kid said he hated reading or, you know, she, she just didn't want anything to do with books. Um, but she's just read this one by herself or he's just, yeah. he's, he, he, he's just given me his Christmas list and all he wants is a funny kid books and, you know, things like that where, yeah. where it's one of the reasons I love writing for kids in that kind of period of my career where I wasn't sure I knew I was going to write, but I didn't know who for, um, I thought I might write adult thrillers for a while. I thought I might write movie scripts. Um, one of the things I love about where I've landed is the potential for the impact of of what you're doing so the idea that you can create stories for middle grade readers and you can really kind of flick this the reading switch for them you can yeah. really turn them onto reading and uh and if you can do that then you've really kind of potentially changed their life yeah and uh and that feels really exciting and really rewarding oh definitely yep that's why we're here, aren't isn't it? You know, that's why we're exactly. talking about books. And so, is there a middle grade book on your shelf which perhaps may have not had the fanfare during COVID um, that you'd like to give some love to, perhaps? You you mean by other authors? Yeah, or you can yeah. do your own as well. No, 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 no. <laughs> we I don't mind. Yes, yeah. no, no, I'm not going to shout out my own book. Uh, but I, um, but I have a confession to make. I'm sorry, which is that I don't read other middle grade. Features, yes, that's okay. <laughs> which, which is uh, probably not the answer that you want. Um, I do that really intentionally, and it's hard yep. to resist sometimes. But um, I find it. I really. I try to kind of guard my um, subconscious creative space yep. and I really dread the thought of kind of reading something in someone else's book and it finding its way into mine or I, I find it really helpful to kind of stay in my lane and put my blinkers on when yep. it comes to what I'm actually creating. Uh, so I'm sorry. That's a really <laughs> no. Uh, I asked the same. I asked the same question of Stephen Herrick, and he doesn't read in um, middle grade either. And mm -hmm. I I don't know if you know Jen Stora very well, but she is yeah. very 
um, she's very vocal about how she doesn't read in middle grade because it really, she really guards against, you know, that crossover as well. Whereas Pamela and I are the complete opposite and we read everything in middle grade, which is probably why we have a podcast. But yeah, it really does depend on, um, you know, your personal preference, doesn't it? So yeah. yeah. I know a lot of um, of middle grade readers, who, uh, middle grade authors who who do read, uh, yep. uh, who read everything, and have read my stuff, and I'm incredibly grateful for that, especially yep. when they shout about, and I feel, uh, I feel regretful that I can't do the same, but I I need yep. to do it for my my own creative yep. process. No, I completely, and that is an answer in itself, isn't it? Because, yeah, that's your process, so hmm. we totally we totally accept that. So what is next in the wings for Matt Stanton? And I'm expecting, you know, a 10-minute answer. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a bit like that. Um, yeah, so we, so uh, my wife, Beck, Beck Stanton, Beck and I, uh, we, we run our own kind of little studio here and, and we publish uh, kind of eight to ten books a year. Yep. So uh, across, we've now got a, a baby books picture book series uh, all the way through to uh, kind of chapter books um, so uh, yeah so there's always things on the go so I, I'm I've just finished writing funny kid 9 which will come out early um, next year I'm writing funny kid 10 which will come out later next year I'm writing the odds 2 which will come out later next year so oh my the odds gosh. will be a trilogy. Do you get uh, any hours sleep, Matt? <laughs> uh, no, but that's got more to do with having four children. Children, yes. Than, than, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and then there's a couple of new. Oh, we've got a couple more in the baby book series. We'll have a picture book later in the year. Still nailing that one down. Yeah. And um, and then I've got something new stuff that I want to do, but I have to. I have to do everything else first. Yes. <laughs> Those contracts, you know. <laughs> yes. They the, need the, to be. The new, one, the new one that I want to do, we deliberately haven't kind of formalized anything yet because it's like, yeah. let me just work on the idea. Because once it's and done, then, once that contract's exactly. signed. <laughs> then it gets a schedule. I don't want yeah. a schedule. Yeah, it's living the dream, though, isn't it? So yeah, we have to be grateful. Absolutely, this is uh, this is certainly my dream job. Yep. Well, what a delight it has been to have you on Middle Grade Mavens, Matt. Where can we find you online if our listeners are interested in checking out your books? Oh, thanks, Julie. No, it's been so lovely to to chat with you. Thank you. Um, so my website, mattstanton.net. Uh, that'll point you in in the email direction and uh blog articles and all of my social media links probably instagram is where i'm most active where my handle is it's stanton here yeah all kind of one word wonderful well thank you once again matt and i personally can't wait for the odds book too so keep it coming thanks julie thank you so much for having me Thanks for stopping by Middle Grade Mavens. If you'd like to know more about the Mavens, log on to middlegradepodcast.com or to find Julie online, stop by julieandgrassobooks.com. 
And to find Pamela, stop by www.ueckerman.net.